What's up, everybody? Welcome to our extra segment that we're doing for our Fight Club podcast. We have in studio right now John King of the Dust Brothers. So not only did John do the music for Fight Club, but he also has worked with Beck, Tenacious D, Hanson, and the Beastie Boys. So, John, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Good. My pleasure. Welcome. Yes. First off, I want to hear, uh, in terms of, I mean, this not only is the movie such a long-lasting hit that seems to only get more and more relevant, but the music and the soundtrack seems to be something that everyone had when they were a kid and listened to. How much is this a feather in your cap in terms of, like, is this what you feel like you'll be remembered by? Or how do, how is this rank in your, like, when you look at all your work? Your and, discography. Yeah. Mm. I never have this in my head. Like, I know it is a feather. I love my feathers. but right. He's got Paul's Boutique yeah. in there, dude. I mean, yeah. shit. I mean, That's got to be way up there. When I think about, like, you know, what things really had a lot of impact, I would think Paul's Boutique because it gets recognized so much. Yeah. Um, I think um, Olay and I think Mbop because sure. it was just so huge and affected <laughs> yeah. so many people. Right. Well, I guess I guess I was meaning, like, more in terms of your film work. Uh, yeah, I mean, Fight Club is the greatest film work I did. I haven't done that much, but, you know, songs get used all the time. I had a couple songs used in Baby Driver, and that was really fun to see, like, like the white dudes roll up in their C-28 or whatever they were in, uh, busting a young MC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounded so good in the theater, actually. I was like, damn. <laughs> so back then... So you, these days, you see a lot of movies that are being scored with digital music, you know, like all the Atticus Ross um, movies and uh, even the Johnny Greenwood stuff. Mm-hmm. But was this relatively new? Was this a kind of a novel thing for the studio or whoever to be deciding to score the movie using all digital music? Well, I think composers had been doing it, but I felt like we were we were breaking some new ground with the music. And then... I sort of encountered that afterwards. I I would notice a lot of like movies or commercials especially would be using music similar to what we had d- done in Fight Club. I would even be up for like a job and it would be temped with Fight Club music. Uh, so, you know, that would I I think it did have an influence on what was going on. I don't know that it was first or anything like that. I mean, yeah. you listen to uh the Scarface soundtrack, you know, and that's very synthesizery and mm-hmm. um, like I, I, I wouldn't call it computer music, but it's it's a similar kind of thing to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I love your score so much because we talk a lot in the main part of this podcast, like just how there's such a momentum to this movie. Like it, it just moves the edit. It's so well edited. And then your music, you know, has this driving momentum to it kind of that goes through every scene it's so well fit together i guess can you step back and tell us like how did you meet up with fincher to begin with how did he get in touch with you guys and what was that collaboration process like i met with fincher through my agent and went over to his house uh, which was not very far from my house at the time and kind of sat there with him as he described what type of music he would want in the film. I was pretty chagrined when he said, 
I'm looking for like music by like white guys who think they're funky. <laughs> oh, wow. Are, are you a white guy who thinks he's funky? Uh, yeah. And it was painful to hear that at the time, you know, like, but, you know, I was and sitting was there after trying. He heard Paul's boutique, right? I have no idea. You know what? <laughs> That's what Maybe it was after said. he heard Mbop or something, you know? I mean, I guess the meeting, you know, went well enough to get hired, which was cool. And uh, the the process of working on it was really fun and really easy. You know, we would just do cues for different scenes and he would come over and watch and listen. And often he would just laugh and say, I never thought of it that way. And then, <laughs> you know, yeah. move on to the next scene. So there was it was really magical and super easy and it was just like a one-of-a-kind experience and we kept hearing from all these people that he's so tough on people and he can be really a hard ass on everybody and all he you know all he would do is just sit down and laugh and we'd move on to the next scene so it was it was a great experience but I thought it was a, a an unusual experience and and other experiences I've had in film tv and advertising music or were not that same way now do you mean it's easy in that his input made it very easy or like oh I, I cranked this out in a weekend and that's that's the score no no <laughs> easy in terms of his lack of input yeah yeah i, I get that okay so yeah. i'm kind of curious what is it makes sense to me oh i need to write some pop music and here's where i'm going to start uh but when you see a scene i always one scene i particularly love the music of is uh the ikea furniture filling up his apartment yeah, yeah. Like, i just think that's just a great choice. What is when you see a scene like that? What's going through your head? What are you thinking about? Like, what are I don't even I can't even describe why the music fits so well. Yeah. Obviously, maybe you have some thoughts on why it does. Yeah, I mean that one. I get a feeling from the scene, and I'm trying to accentuate and and just kind of also also kind of randomly doing things and trying things. Mm -hmm. um, that one was like this vintage drum machine cheesy drum machine that I had sitting around and just kind of played it and then you know tried some other things on top of it mm -hmm. and uh, usually it would just make me feel a certain way like it would make me usually make me laugh or <laughs> um, you know feel scared or something like that you right. know for for the different types of cues that were going on in there cool when he was giving you his very limited input that he gave you, was he talking about basically like how it needed to move? Was he mostly giving you ideas of tempo? Was he telling uh, – was he talking about the theme of the movie at all or was he really just saying that I want this part to be funky? I want this part to be, you know, whatever. Um, he There were a couple things that that were temped into scenes, which means they put temporary music into it okay. and that will give you some indication of what – they're feeling like kind of works, but not very many. Um, normally, I feel like in the other stuff I've worked on, there's there's always lots of temp all over it, and which can be uh, it can be difficult to deal with because it establishes this thing in your head that you kind of want to get out of your head at a certain point, right. so you can kind of do your own take that isn't really imitating the temp music. But um, it it was more about a feeling. Uh, and of 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 what was going on, whether it's you know some lameness or foreboding or um, you know what what word that was never said but obviously applies like schizophrenia kind of right, right. thing you know and that was never discussed but uh, that really 
I think is I think that was part of what he was trying to achieve by using us for the movie. Like a sense of schizophrenia? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Like kind of erratic nature. Jumping between styles and, and the wrong style being used and just, you know, just putting you in a different space from normal reality. Even just in the soundtrack, you know, there's something kind of like upbeat, cheesy drum thing. And it's just like, wah, like very. Mm-hmm. I would describe it as like, it's like that, like. Almost like an Egyptian sound, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That like, like, where did you, that come from? Or do you remember like <laughs> making that choice? Like, I'm gonna make that kind of yeah. I mean, noise. that just that just comes from organically from the process. Yeah, and just from natural inclinations. I mean, like Middle Eastern or Jewish melodic themes really seem to, uh, you know, I, I really seem to like those dark themes, and then juxtaposing those with maybe sillier things. Also juxtaposing from different uh, styles of music. So what what you called Egyptian, well, maybe it was some percussion or maybe it was like the synthesizer that was kind of, you know, eerie and and, and in that particular mode, uh, which I just like. Yeah, it's interesting you used the word adjective scary earlier Mm because I would – yeah, it it, it doesn't feel like haunted house music, but it's Mm -hmm. like scary like you're like – Existential. Yeah, it's like (laughs) – you're like, I don't know where this is going. Yeah. It's and cool, maybe, in a cool way. maybe it's like when you when you said that it made me think of like you know like uh, I was listening to Howard Stern and the guy Richard Christie who loves Halloween was talking about uh, music that he really loves this some song from some Halloween movie and it comes on and it's the cheesiest silliest song and I'm sure that the very evil clown you know I've never seen the movie but I'm sure it's like some evil clown that like the the terrible silly music plays behind <laughs> as he's you know planning his next torturous murder well one thing i think we're talking there's maybe it's a few pieces but one piece i think there's sitar in it i don't Mm -hmm. i think that's what i'm talking about (laughs) now are you there's kind of some buddhist themes in fight club are you like oh buddhism no no not on that okay (laughs) just just sounds (laughs) cool like this sounds cool you know i (laughs) love i love the way this sitar sounds you know Or, or like what am i gonna put over this thing you know because the way I would usually do something is in layers, which is just kind of a, a production te- technique that has developed or that, you know, that we've always done because of uh, the way we would make music without musicians a lot of the time. And we're, we're like two people just kind of doing stuff or one at a time, even when we're working on this individually on separate things. You can only do one thing at a time, really. You know, I'm not I'm not a one man band, but I'll make a song that sounds like a one man band, sure. uh, given the amount of you know tools and the amount of time I have. Yeah, it's our job at Wisecrack to look for the Buddhist themes in the sitars. <laughs> we're always like, what can we uh, can we write something about music? Can we think about it? And then yeah. we're sort of like, Fight Club's such a smart movie. Like, what's going on in the music? And then you're like, well, it's cool. Which is, I mean. I'm not, but it's feelings, though. Yeah, exactly. Right. You it, know, it's feelings it's all about the vibe. of, of I, mystery and an you know an air of mystery and uh, the the foreboding and the, and the cacophony and the uh, foreshadowing, you know, and things like that. That are, it's not like intellectually thinking of those things, but but emotionally you're thinking of those. If things. I was going into real bullshit mode here, I'd be like, even though you're just like this sounds cool, it sounds cool because you're sort of intuiting. Like the Buddhist, the existential thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the reason why we don't it. cover music <laughs> is because exactly what John said is that so – because it is very emotionally driven, whereas yeah. narrative can very obviously or very uh, often be intellectually driven. I'm curious, when was the last time you watched the movie? 
Uh, I, I haven't watched it full through ever? for a really long okay. time. Not ever, but for a really long time. I'll see snippets. I'll see that it's on, and usually I won't tune in because I've seen it. I mean, I've seen each scene like you know, 500 times. Yeah. So, how I feel like. um, you know, it was fun to watch it when it came out at the premiere or whatever. Right. But, uh, you know, I've really, I- I've seen it a lot. Yeah. I mean, even with stuff that we've made, like, I feel like three years has to pass before I can watch yeah. one of our own videos again. Yeah. Did you, when you were initially hired, did you just watch the film with the temp music straight through once before getting into it? I don't think uh, we had the full film, you know, okay. like when I went into it, we had the, the script and um, and then we started getting footage to start composing to. Mm. So, you know, and I didn't I think the ending was kept like a big secret, like mm. it wasn't even in the script. But that's mm. in the book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Diff- but, different ending in the book. You know. it's, but. It, I think he means that. Oh, the, the big the twist. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't jump to the book to get, yeah. I mean, that would have been like the very practical thing to do to jump to the book. It would have been be cheating like, though. Now I understand everything. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any input on, so I know there were a couple songs, like the Pixie song. Did you also do, uh, what is it, like music supervision no. on the project? Okay, no. Was... There were deliberately very few songs in the movie, like right. two. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they were very specific from uh, The other one, is it a Tom Waits song? The one where they're walking into the bar? Yeah, into the bar. I don't know that it's Tom Waits, but yeah, that's else. the other song. Yeah, yeah. great song. <laughs> I, I read in some interview that, that one of the references Fincher used when talking about the soundtrack was like the Graduate soundtrack. Mm, yeah. Is, is, do you remember anything him talking about the Graduate soundtrack? I don't remember. Yeah. I did see that you know quote. That might have been from my partner. I don't, I don't remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's a great reference. Yeah. Awesome soundtrack. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> whenever those clips come on or whenever you see it on TV or something, I mean, do you ever have... Like, oh, I wish I just changed that just a little bit. No. Or like, no. You're, you're <laughs> no. It's perfect as yeah. it is. Perfect. Yeah. Always. You know, like <laughs> like when I go back and when I hear something from like uh, Odelay or Paul's Boutique, I'm never like, damn, we didn't get that right. I'm always like, man, that fucking sounds so good. <laughs> that's great. I, wow. That's, that's, the, right, the, that's the right attitude yeah, to have. Right. I feel like a lot of people <laughs> have the opposite problem. I, I've had both, to things I've written, I've had yeah. both reactions. I'll yeah. watch a video back. Fuck, like I should have done that. I should have done that. <laughs> but if enough time has passed, I don't remember writing it. And yeah. I'm like, damn, I wrote that? That's yeah, like pretty good. Exactly. <laughs> so I have both feelings because when I'm watching it, I'm just, you know, with some with other people, something I've made, like I'm like, all right, no one knows the little imperfections in right, this, you know, right. but then I will be like, oh man, this could have been better, you know, yeah. if that, but who gives a fuck, you know, <laughs> like, like you're saying, like, is, all that matters is that they, that they like it. Yeah. I mean, that's when I listen to like really good stuff. You know, if I listen to some piece of shit that I did, you know, <laughs> actually, I don't know that I'm allowed to curse on this. But, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah shit, fuck. But when I listen to that, you know, something really bad, which I don't do very often, and I've done plenty of bad stuff, I'm just like, man, that doesn't hold up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, you, uh, uh, because I I love Mbop, right? Yeah. But like, you know, that was the quintessential like every when when we were growing up, like everyone was like like all the boys were like, "Ew, Mbop." Like yeah. all the girls, you know, <laughs> gross, you know. Yeah. And so you're responsible for yeah. like if, if anything it's just it's the victim of the airtime it got. Like no matter what the song is, if it's playing 18,000 times a day, <laughs> it's going to annoy some people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's well, but certain songs that get played a lot are 
fucking annoying to begin with, you know, yeah. like Millie Vanilli, girl, <laughs> girl, you know it's true. Yeah. You know, and Mbop, like they're hits, they're big hits, but they're really annoying whether they're hits or not. Mm. So the difference, the slide track, but the, the difference between working with the Hanson Brothers and the Beastie Boys, let's yeah. uh, uh, you know, how'd that well, go? Well, that's, that's a huge difference. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine. that's why we, why we quit that album, you know, much to the deficit of our bank accounts because the handsome one. yeah because it just wasn't something we were prepared for or used to we were in our 20s and we we're just like we we're not used to working with like amateur little kids you know we didn't like any input or were they just like shepherded oh yeah no they have input but like (laughs) that's the problem you know (laughs) yeah some of it some of it's genius and some of it's like just just tired of babysitting you know right you know the beasties they're like masters of like references and pop culture and and they're just very uh, creatively talented people and Hanson was creatively talented too but they're also like little kids and there were parents around pushing for cert- more involvement from somebody some like kid number 1 when we were like trying to get <laughs> kid number kid number 2 to sing <laughs> you know and they're like well, we want to get kid number 1 more involved and like this is not like participation trophy time you know this is we're, we're trying here. we're trying to be great artists and do great work what what is what is even the role of the producer like in that sort of situation mm-hmm. are you sort of just directing the musicians who have written the songs are you writing any of the music what's what's the process kind of like well, uh, I did contribute to writing on that, although I didn't ask for writing on it. Again, a big mistake. You made um, sure to put the third mm in there, right? The well, no, but there's, there's, <laughs> there's my writing contributions in there, but at the time, you know, records used to sell still. So as a producer, you might not always take writing on something, even though you were entitled to it, probably just to kind of like, eh, I feel like I'm... You know, I'll get enough, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, as the music industry changed, that aspect of it got much more important to like, you know, where sometimes you might not be a writer and you get writing on something that's just a form of compensation because right. the traditional form of compensation for a producer record sales in an era where records do not sell is an inadequate compensation for what the producer's bringing to the table. I got way off track right then. So you do, you did a little bit of the writing and then in general, like what's the producer's oh, right. yeah, job exactly. like? So like um, they have a demo of the song. It sounds like the Jackson five, which is why we did it mm-hmm. because it just, we love the Jackson five and it, it just seemed really cool. And then um, they came in and, uh, the youngest was really a neophyte uh, in the studio and uh, was, you know, attempting to play drums. And I was making him cry. I was oh. really I was really tough on him. Well, just you like, like, talking about like, Zach. Yeah, well, like, exactly. Like, just like take that again, do yeah. it this way. And I wasn't making him cry like I'm being mean. I was just like, no, nah, let's let's do one more. Yeah. OK, that was better. Let's try one more, <laughs> you know, and just like. He was getting really frustrated, but he was like a rank amateur. I mean, he was just like a little kid. Yeah. You know, who'd barely been playing at all. 
and he's in the studio with me and I don't even really I at the time I didn't really like using live drummers because I would make my beats mm. you know out of samples and I felt like no live drummer could sound as good as the beats that I made <laughs> so you know I did make beats for that song and he played kind of over top of it but I still needed to capture what he was doing and I wanted it to be like that I could actually layer it you know the technology wasn't as good back then like right now I could take someone, you know, stumbling over trash cans and just like time stretch it until it's just like perfect beat molding with like, you know, funky drummer or something and blend them together and it's awesome. But back then you had actually had to play good with some kind of program beats that were so good that most drummers couldn't really do it. Right. And what, what, and th there's no situation where he could go do it, you could appease the parents, and like after hours, it's like, all right, let's get this session drummer in and just <laughs> redo this shit. So some of that was, some of that might have been possible, but like, you know, we, we had to make our best effort at first mm -hmm. to, to just like, it's almost like, okay, we don't really need this, but maybe some you know, uh, symbols would be cool on top of this or whatever. Sure. Just trying to capture the kids. It's their record. You know, as a producer, your role is to really uh, create the best thing with the artist you're working with or the musicians. So that's what I'm always trying to do, you know, to realize the vision of the artist or if the artist is kind of not as influential, maybe the A&R person, or if neither of them are that influential, maybe it's my vision I'm trying to, you know, help combine yeah. with theirs and, and make great. So there was, you know, during that session, um, the older brother was, uh, you know, completely musically like he was he was fine. Mm -hmm. You must good. be Tyler. Uh, uh, no, Zach. Uh, oh. No, no. Uh, Isaiah. 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 Yeah. Isaiah. And Damn, then, um, Tyler was like a fucking angel in the studio, like mm. sent by God to make beautiful, <laughs> ridiculous music that didn't seem possible. Awesome. Um, and Zach was like brand new. You know, he's mm -hmm. the youngest brother. So um, I'm dealing with these different levels of God-given talent or, uh, you know, 10,000 hours put in. And that was that was kind of difficult to balance, you know, because my normal thing is to just uh, – is to try to try to work with everybody and, uh, you know, try to get what the song needs. And sometimes that means not – continuing to try something that's not working. Yeah. I can see that. So I think we're going to wrap it up. My last two questions. One, did you think or at any time did you think that Fight Club would be the sensation that it's become? And lastly, out of everything that you've done, what has surprised you the most about the reception it ultimately got? Well, I thought Fight Club was going to be a more successful movie. Because the initial the box, box office was not... Yeah, it was like I don't I have bad bombed. number, but something like right. thirteen million. Maybe it was number one or number two. Right. You know, on a very quiet weekend. Yeah. Uh, similar to Paul's Boutique, which was a huge failure. Mm. Unbelievable now, too. If you think. some yeah. like top hundred records of all time yeah. or something like that. Twenty. So yeah. I am surprised that so many people love the soundtrack so much. I really am. I mean, I don't really like you said. You know, when you think of the. The, the 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 things like this is my legacy yeah you know that doesn't come to mind so okay. you know I'm I'm it makes me really happy that that so many people like it yeah but I didn't I didn't really expect that 
I listen to homework on road trips a lot. <laughs> cool. <laughs> How do you come up with the names of songs that have no words to them? Well, there are names for scenes, uh, you know, in the movie. So when I'm working on a cue, there's a name for the scene. So if that name kind – I mean, usually it's just, just in the development process of the thing, that name is in your head as you're doing the scene and the name is appropriate. The writer made that name for the scene based upon like what was going on. They have to do their homework. In the scene. And then like, you know, I'm doing the music and it's also in the spirit of the scene also happens to be the spirit of the name, which was written in the spirit of the scene. So, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, that was an issue like, oh, now we have to come up with names for this because we're going to actually put the album out. Uh, What what are the names, you know, and uh, so usually they just they just happen to fit. Awesome. <laughs> Not, Very cool. you know, by natural occurrence, organic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time, John. It was really My a pleasure, pleasure speaking to you about great. this. Appreciate this is it. super no awesome. Problem. And uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and sign off. So thank you guys for listening. Go turn well, on some Paul's Boutique and rock <laughs> out and watch some Pike Club later. Are you working on any cool projects that uh, you want to tell the listeners about? Yeah, I'm working on this artist called Rat Boy uh, from the UK. It's super awesome. Oh, and, yeah. um, and then like just some of my own stuff with my buddy Nate. And is there, uh, where, is there a place we can check that out, like like on the internet? Uh, I think some Rat Boy stuff either is about to get released or was released that was done also uh, with um, Tim Armstrong. Ooh. Oh, cool! Just, oh yeah, uh, from Rancid, just around the corner. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right, man. All right. Thank you, guys. Peace. Peace.